Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Over and by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. And now, it's time for Big Town. The makers of Rinso present Edward G. Robinson in Big Town. Mr. Robinson is heard as Steve Wilson, managing editor of the Illustrated Press. Ona Munson plays the part of Lorelei Kilborn, Steve's charming assistant. On this particular morning, they met for breakfast at their favorite cafe, lingered long over an extra cup of coffee, and arrived late at the office of the Illustrated Press. Now, think of the example I'm setting in my hard-working force getting in at this hour. Well, face them and get it over with. Go on, open the door and barge right through the city room just as if you were early instead of late. <laughs> what goes on? Oh, you heard? Your staff is standing in a circle doing punk with Hey, what gives out here, anyway? What is this, a newspaper office or a nut house? Don Parker's kids, Susie and uh, Susie and Peter. Hello, Pete. Hello, Susie. Hello. How old are you? I'm six. How old are you? Oh, well, I had it coming. She's 21. <laughs> All ladies are just 21, except grandmothers. They're just over 21. Uh, what do you kids mean by upsetting my staff so early in the morning? It's not early. It's late. You want to be ashamed of yourself, Uncle Steve. waiting in your office. Well, gosh, I'll go right in. Uh, hey, uh, boys, uh, amuse these two Indians, will you? Uh, come on, Lord. I want you to meet Sally Parker. She's a great girl. She's got a great pair of kids. Hello, Sally. Well, I'm sorry you had to wait. I'm so glad you got here. I tried to get your house, but your line was busy. Oh, yes, I had a couple of long-distance calls. Uh, this is Lorelei. Oh, how do you do? Hello, Sally. I've heard a great deal about you. Well, not as much as I've heard about you and your wonderful husband, the one and only Dr. Donald Parker. Oh, that old stick in the mud. <laughs> you think they could get him to take a drink at the reunion last night? Oh, no, not him. One of his lady patients had a bad kidney, so he couldn't drink. Well, see, I just had to see you. I couldn't stand it any longer. Don didn't come home last night. What? When I woke up this morning, he wasn't there. I phoned all the places I could think of. I, I thought you might have some idea because you took him to the reunion. Oh, yes. And I was going to drive him home, too. But he's a patient, some lady who had a relapse. Oh, yes, that's old Mrs. Grace. That's right, Mrs. Grace. Well, I dropped him near her house. He said he'd take a cab home from there. Or maybe she was worse and he stayed all night. No, I called her house. He never got there. That's impossible. I tell you, I left him right on the corner. See, something's happened to Don. No, I wouldn't worry. There's so many things that could detain a doctor. Yes, but he'd phone, wouldn't he? Oh, Steve, you know how considerate Don is. Yes, and I know how absent-minded he is, too. He probably thinks he's dead for I bet right now he's got some poor devil on the table expecting his appendix and $500. Why, I hate to act like this, but Steve, we've got to do something. I can't just sit here and talk about it. All right, all right, Sally, if it'll make you feel any easier. Uh, Foster, get me Captain Carroll at police headquarters. Yes, Mr. Wilson, right away. Carroll's a friend of mine. Tell us the sensible way to go about this. I know just how you feel, Sally. But you'll find he's all right. Oh, I admit I'm a fool about him. 
You see, we waited so long to get married. All those years he was interning. Oh, Steve, if anything would have happened to Donna, I don't know what I'd do. Hello, Captain Carroll. Oh, well, this is Steve Wilson speaking. Oh, fine, thanks. Uh, look, uh, Captain, a friend of mine, uh, Dr. Donald Parker, forgot to check in at his house last night, and his wife here is worried. He's about uh, five feet eleven, dark, around my age. Is that close enough, or do you want my guilty secret? Well, now, uh, let me see. Uh, he had on a dark blue suit. Is that right, Sally? Yes, and uh, a white shirt. White shirt, uh, yes. Blue knit tie. That's right, blue knit tie. Brown shoes. Brown shoes. Uh, nothing in his pocket but a pipe. Nothing in his pocket but a pipe. All right, thanks, Captain. I'll go down. He's ordering a checkup right now. You say you'd be surprised if you knew the number of persons who turn up missing every day. Why, here in Big Town. Yes, Captain. Oh, no, no. Don's no trouble of any kind. He's a say normal person. Crazy about his wife and his two wonderful kids. He's very successful. A favorite with all his patients. They even pay the bills he sends them. And he was laughing about that very thing when I dropped him off last night on Maple Street near the park. Yes, on Maple. What? No. See what is it? All right, Captain, I'll wait. Well, what did he say? Oh, he's checking with another department. Well, if anything had happened to the doctor, Sally, you'd be the first to know. Somebody'd notify you. Oh, no, no. He had no identification with him. You remember, Steve, when you honked your horn outside the house last night? Yes. Well, Don dashed out without his wallet or his driver's license or anything. I found them afterwards on the bureau. Uh, yes, Captain, I'm here. Yes? Well, is that all they could tell you? I see. Yes, Captain, I got it. Thanks. What is it? Something's happened, Don. I can tell it by your face. Steve! Oh, no, no, Sally. I, I was disappointed because the Captain couldn't give me anything definite. But you keep on looking. Well, Steve, you're, you're sure Don's all right, aren't you? Of course. Now, you go on home with the kids. That's oh, all right. Steve, if you should hear anything, you'll let me know, won't you? You can depend on that. If there's any news, I'll bring it over myself. Oh, thanks, Steve. Thanks. Well, not now, Sally. Later. He's not dead. 
not done. Not my Don. I want to see him. I tell you, I want to see him. Well, you can't, dear. It's, it's better to remember him the way he was. Oh, no. No, but it couldn't happen like that. It couldn't. They've always tried to be good people. You know, Don, he was so good to everybody. He, he never heard a living thing. But Steve, you know that. Yes, I know. No, I don't believe it. It's not true. Or tell me it isn't true. Sally, don't, don't let go. You've got to hang on. Hang on to what? What have I got to hang on to with Don gone? What have I got to live for? Mommy, Susie can say it. Listen. Peter Piper picked up pickle pickle peppers. Peter Piper. Mommy. Mommy. Tell you, Captain, it was the toughest thing I ever had to do. Last night he was alive, laughing, and now all the life is smashed out of him. His wife and babies didn't even look at him. Sure is tough. Happening all over the country, every day. Every eight hours, somebody's life is blotted out by a hit-and-run driver. Every 27 minutes, some pedestrian is struck by a hit-and-run car. Every 16 minutes, someone dies because of reckless driving. Yes, but if that driver had only stopped and taken down to the hospital right away, he might have had a chance. Yes, but at the hospital, they'd have taken the man's name and his license number. Didn't run drivers don't take that chance. I can understand that accidents happen, but to, to leave your victim lying there, knowing that he might die, it takes a special kind of coward to run away at a time like that. That's the lowest form of bestial stupidity a man could be guilty of. I know how you feel, Steve. Well, what are you doing about it, Captain? Well, so far, we've collected some fragments of a headlight. We found an almost obliterated tire track at the corner where Parker was killed. There's a trace of paint on the coat he wore. From these, the laboratory will be able to tell us the make of the car. And then what have you, what have you got? Well, of course, all routine inquiries are being made. Well, that's not good enough. For you, this is just another hit-and-run case, another number in the files. But to me, it's not a number. It's a life. Those babies can't ever have another father. That girl waited for years for Dan Parker. They built a fine life together. And you talk about routine inquiries. We're doing our best, Steve. In a case like this, there's very little evidence to work with. Death roars out of the night, strikes and disappears. There's seldom any witnesses. Surely somebody in the community somewhere heard or saw something. Maybe they did, but if they don't come forward and tell us... Well, then I'm going to make them come forward. This is one time when death roaring out of nowhere into nowhere is going to be dragged into the spotlight. <laughs> for the second half of Big Town. Returning you to Big Town, we find that the Illustrated Press has been running a red-hot campaign to smoke out the hit-and-run driver who killed Don Parker. Using the tremendous power of his newspaper and radio stations, Steve has stirred public opinion until all Big Town is hunting for the killer. Oh, Peter boy, what kind of a car was it? A blue Hermes, lady. Say it, blue car. I hope they get him. Express the first crew of Big Town Murder, 1942 Hermes. Good afternoon, Illustrated Press. Hello, I have some information about the Parker murder. Can I speak to Mr. Wilson? One moment, please. I'll connect you. He wasn't speaking. Uh, this is Frank J. Mitchell. I live on Maple Street, Big Town Apartments, right near the corner where Dr. Parker was killed. 
I believe my wife heard that accident Sunday night. Well, thank you, Mr. Mitchell. May I interview your wife? I sure, any time. Yes, I heard a brake screeching and a crash about two o'clock Sunday night. Well, did you look out the window? No. I don't like to get mixed up in such things. Well, the man was lying there, dying. You might have saved his life. We've got a police force, haven't we? Yes, but if we don't help them to stop this reckless driving, you and I might be the next victim. Well, anyway, we've got the time for the accident. Thank you, Mr. Mitchell. Come on, Laura. Oh, uh, just a minute, Mr. Wilson. Yes? I found a bottle on my lawn. Bottle? Yes. The morning after the accident. What kind of a bottle? Well, the label said Bumblebee Brandy. They sell it at the Bumblebee Inn, a roadhouse about half a mile from here. Where is the bottle? I threw it away. I don't want to get mixed up in this case. I, I didn't even mind in my own business. Well, don't you recall anybody who left here around 2 o'clock Sunday night with a bottle of your brandy? Somebody who drove off in a blue Hermes car? They may have been drunk. Listen, mister, people come to the Bumblebee for a good time. A lot of them are tight when they leave. I don't keep track of them. In spite of the fact that they might go out and kill someone? Well, if people are stupid enough to drink when they're driving, that's not my funeral. And thank you. You're a lot of help. Come on, Laura. Well, that's that. Yes, I believe in minding my own business. It's not my funeral. That's all it means to them. Get in, Laura. Oh, we're all to blame, Steve. We don't face the truth. Yes, I know. I'm as guilty as the rest. Took something like this to open my eyes. I'll never have a peaceful night's sleep if this killer goes free. How can he live with himself knowing he's killed another man? Oh, but then I suppose it's old-fashioned to expect him to have a conscience. Well, I'm going to be his conscience. I'll give him no rest. My voice is going to hunt him out and tell him the truth about himself. Well, uh, where did I get a better connection? Oh, well, I guess Jason hasn't placed the score. 
Hello, go ahead. It's true. We should have met with our commoner with an accident. We stopped the car out. We thought he was dead. We didn't know what to do. Why don't you leave us alone? Why don't you keep harping on him? We've been punished enough. Who are you? Hello, hello. Why don't you answer? He hung up. Did you get the police? Well, we've got Captain Carroll on the wire now. He says he's tried to track down whoever made the call. Well, that's not going to be easy, but the killer has got a conscience, Lorelei, and we won't let him forget it. People of Big Town, I have some new evidence for you. In our radio station audience here tonight is a taxi driver who's volunteered to tell what he knows. He's standing at the microphone now. Go ahead, Mr. Welch. Right close now? Yes, sir. Right in here. A little closer, please. Right here. That's it. When I was cruising past the pump of the inn Sunday night, going on two o'clock, when a girl called me, she was having an argument with two young fellows who wanted to get into a car. Well, can you describe that car? It was a blue Hermes. Brand new roadster. The girl had on a brown fur coat, and her name was Marsha. Well, how do you know that was her name? Well, one of the fellas called after her. Don't be a fool, Marsha. She left my cab near the big town hotel. Well, thank you, Mr. Welsh. You've given us a real clue. That's right. Are you tuned in on this broadcast, Mr. Murderer? We know now that there were two of you. That you're young and that you have a friend named Marsha. Don't you realize that someday soon your doorbell will ring and a policeman will ask to see that brand new roadster of yours? Are you listening, Mr. Murderer? You listened last night and you phoned me. You said I lied, that you weren't a murderer. Well, if you're a human being, if you're a man, why don't you come forward like a man and get this thing off your mind? I will, I will, I'm here. Never mind the microphone. I'm not a murderer. And neither was Jim. There was never a finer boy than my kid brother, Jim. He just graduated from law school with honors. He passed his bar exams. He was coming up before the character committee on Monday. That's why we went to the Bumblebee to celebrate. Jim and my fiance, Marsha, and me. We had some drinks, sure. It was nearly 2 o'clock when they were ready to close the bar, so we bought a bottle of brandy and went out to the car. Somebody will come along and see him. We can't do him any good now. That's a crime, Jim. If they ever find out, but they won't. 
How can they? Look, the house is all dark. There isn't a shade up. Nobody saw a thing. I know, but we can't do that. Oh, Herb, don't spoil my whole life. Monday night, I was in my room, waiting for Jim to come home. That you, Jim? Come on in. I'm not a... I waited up for you till midnight. How'd you make out? I've been living. Sterling Curry. And on to the bar. Where have you been? Walking the streets. The dark streets. Did you see the other street press? Yes. He wasn't. If we'd taken him to the hospital, he'd be alive. We didn't know. I murdered him. I'm a murderer, huh? Oh, that's my fault. More than yours, kid. I'm old. It's done now, and there's nothing we can do about it. Go on, kid. Go get some rest. Huh? Rest? I'll never have an hour's rest as long as I live. Jim! Jim, come back here. I want to talk to you. Jim, do you hear me? What the devil's my dressing gown? I guess I better let him work it out of You see, Mr. Wilson, I thought he... Just not out there to be alone. I lay there in the dark for nearly an hour, waiting for him to come back. I opened the window and looked out. Then I heard the motor of the car running behind the closed doors of the garage. Jim! Jim! That crazy kid! Jim! Jim, why have you locked this garage door? Open the door, Jim! Open this garage! Can you hear me? What are you trying to do? Help somebody! Help me break down this door! Jim! Jim! Oh, no, no, Jimmy! Somebody help me! Help! Oh, Jim, Jim! It sounded like a box smashed on that, but there was nothing I could do for him. I guess he didn't want to go on it. So you see, he paid. He took his punishment. I'm willing to take mine. Only whatever they do to me, won't be as bad as what I've done to myself. As long as I live, I'll never get that man's blood off me. I'll never be able to forget his wife. Those little kids. The girl I love. She can't even look at me. See it in her eyes. Murder. Murder? No. It's true, isn't it? Oh, I guess so. But it was my fault, too. I could have stopped it. <laughs> I let him go out and kill because I said, I'm not my brother's secret. Ladies and gentlemen, we've solved this tragic case. But the problem, your problem still remains. People of Daytown, People of America, what are you going to do about it? Continue to shut your eyes and pretend that only what happens within your own walls is your business? Or realize that the street is your street, every city your city, and this country your country, your business, your responsibility? 1940, it is estimated that reckless driving will take the lives of 34,880 people. 1,160,000 will be injured. 1,500,000,000 will be lost in property damage. Common courtesy, common sense, and a little consideration for the rights of others could cut those frightful figures in half. People of America, 
What are you going to do about it? Tonight's Big Time Show was arranged and directed by Lee Stevens. This broadcast was produced under the direction of Crane Wilbur. All the characters and all the places named in Big Town are fictitious. Any similarity to persons or places is purely coincidental.